Our gospel reading for this morning is from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have figured out that one of the perks of being in a new church is that I have a lot of great stories about things that happened at my former church that I couldn't necessarily share there that now I can share here with you. Of course, one of the downsides of being virtual church is that who knows who's listening right now, so here we go. One of these stories took place during worship one week on the first Sunday of the year. I remember we didn't quite have a full sanctuary that day because lots of folks were out of town for the holidays. And so you could see very clearly all around the room. No one was blocking your view. And a new family joined us for worship that day. A man, a woman, and two or three small children who didn't live far away had walked to church that morning. And they were sitting just a couple rows back from the front of the sanctuary. Well, very early on in worship, another man came down the aisle and squeezed himself into the pew right next to them. And if you were paying attention, you could tell that his presence that morning was quite the surprise. The man and the woman were definitely not expecting him to show up. And so this man, we will call him Man B was not happy at all to see Man A there with this woman. Man A had his arm around the woman, and so Man B put his arm around the woman too. Now, they were going through the motions of worship with us. When we would stand, they would stand. When we would sit, they would sit. But you could tell that Man A and Man B were just glaring at each other and exchanging choice words the entire time. Well, tensions continue to rise, and remember, they are at the very front of the sanctuary, so everyone is watching this unfold. And then all of a sudden, we stood to sing a hymn, 
And man A turns and smacks man B on top of his head with his hymnal. Well, man B is flabbergasted, so he throws his hands up in the air and storms out of the sanctuary. While the rest of us just awkwardly continue singing the hymn, really not sure what to do. Until a few minutes later, one of the ushers tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mary Alice, the police are here. They got a phone call from a man that says he was assaulted during worship at Calvary Baptist Church. And they're here to check it out. So then we tried to quietly approach man A, the woman, and children, and escorted them out of the sanctuary right before the sermon so that they could talk with the police about what had happened. We learned from them that man B had unexpectedly gotten out of jail that weekend, and he was not happy to find man A in worship with his arm around this woman and her children. Some of our church members walked home with the woman and her children, made sure they felt safe and had what they needed. We checked in with them for several weeks. We never did find out what happened to man B, but I've just always thought of the game of Clue when I remember the story because who would ever guess that the crime took place with a hymnal in the sanctuary of Calvary Baptist Church? Well, in today's story, another sort of disruption takes place in worship, in the temple, in what usually would have been a rather uneventful day at the synagogue, but it quickly becomes the talk of the town. Now, we aren't told exactly what Jesus is teaching about this day, but what we do know is that he seems to know what he's talking about, which totally catches everyone else off guard. They immediately begin to say to one another, this guy is teaching like he's an authority on God or something, but he doesn't have the credentials to act like that. Who does this guy think he is? And just as they are peering around at one another, trying to figure out what is going on, things really begin to get crazy. A man who is possessed by unclean spirits cries out, what do you have to do with us? Get out of here, Jesus. But Jesus quickly commands the demon to come out of this man. And then all craziness breaks loose. The congregation is astounded by what in the world is going on in the temple that day. And soon word begins to spread all around town about this Jesus. Now usually when you and I hear a story like this, we probably imagine ourselves as the innocent bystander from the outside looking in. But this morning, I'd like to invite us to step into the story. Maybe you want to step into the life of the churchgoer who was expecting an ordinary day of worship in the temple. I imagine this isn't quite what you had in mind when you went to the temple this morning. I imagine you might have expected this to be a quiet, peace-filled Sabbath day, a welcome break from the hustle and bustle of the week. Or perhaps you want to step into the life of the man who is so caught off guard by Jesus that he cries out, Who do you think you are? Get out of here, Jesus! 
This man who is overcome by something that has so much power over him. He doesn't even realize that it's there. All he knows is that this Jesus is really disturbing the status quo. Whoever you are as you sit in worship this morning and as you see this unfold, you are completely caught off guard. It's as if someone has smacked you on the side of the head with a hymnal in the middle of worship. But perhaps that is what happens when we invite Jesus into our worship and into our lives. As Bible scholar Will Willimon points out, maybe it's good for us to remember that when we welcome Jesus into our worship and when we ask him to speak a word into our lives, his presence and his words can be discomforting. Jesus comes among us, but not always in the ways we had expected, not always saying things we want to hear. I wonder if the church overstresses Jesus as reconciler and peacemaker Jesus, the one who stills all the storms of our lives, when the reality is that many times Jesus is actually the disturber of the peace, the beginning of the storm. That is at least the way it is for the folks in the synagogue at Capernaum that day. And when I place myself in their shoes, I begin to wonder if my response to Jesus might have been the same. Friends, when is the last time in your life that you have been completely and totally disrupted by Jesus? I mean, have you ever found yourself saying, don't mess with my picture-perfect plans. Don't mess with my comfortable and familiar life. Don't mess with my security and stability. Get out of here, Jesus. Pastor and author Mark Iaconelli tells this sobering story about a call he got one day from a very faithful and committed woman who was part of his church. She was so upset that she could hardly speak that day. She had just gotten off the phone with her college-age son who had shared with her that he was going to drop out of college to join a group of Americans who were going to Iraq to be with Iraqi civilians during the bombing and occupation. Now their goal was twofold. Not only was it to work in a children's hospital there, but also to be a visible presence of American citizens in Iraqi space. They hoped that their presence might provide some extra layers of protection to Iraqi civilians in the community, as well as to increase awareness back home about the suffering of this community. While hearing about her son's plans, this mother was unbelievably upset. For years, she had planned for her son to go to college. And they had prepared and saved money and applied to schools across the country. And he had made a commitment to doing this, she told him, and she was helping to pay for it. This was no time for him to go off and do something so reckless and to engage in such radical politics. Pastor Mark, on the other end of the phone, asked her how her son responded to that, and that's when she got really quiet. With a lump in her throat, she began to cry, because she recalled how her son had said, but mom, this is about me following Jesus. 
We are going as people of faith. Didn't you and the church teach me that Jesus was always befriending people who were weak and suffering and on the margins? Mom, this is what I believe Jesus is calling me to do. Well, Pastor Mark waited in silence while the mother cried on the other end. Then with a hint of resignation in her voice, she finally said, He's right, you know. I know he's right. But if I had known that he was going to grow up and want to do something like this, I would have taken him out of the church and put him in Boy Scouts instead. Because sometimes following Jesus completely disrupts all that we had imagined for our lives. And sometimes we just want to say, who do you think you are? Get out of here, Jesus. You see, I can't help but wonder if you and I are seeking comfort when Jesus is pushing us to break through our carefully constructed comfort zones. I wonder if we are looking for peace and unity when Jesus actually wants us to get riled up about the injustices in our midst, like the demon he called out right there in the middle of the temple. I wonder if we are seeking safety and stability when Jesus knocks us over the side of the head with a hymnal and says, hey, come follow me me. Now I recognize that this is not the most popular sermon to preach and the benefit of these pandemic times are that you very well could change the channel this morning and hear lots of other sermons that might make you feel more comfortable. And yet I fully believe that whenever Jesus disrupts our plans and challenges our boundaries and disturbs our lives, he does so in ways that always turn out for good. Because we follow a God who by God's very power at work within us is always able to do more than we could ever dare to ask or imagine. The question is, are we ready for that? Are we in? It's actually not a rhetorical question. It's a question I have for us, particularly as Highland Baptist Church this morning. I've started working with our staff and deacons to discern together some of the biggest needs of our community and how God is inviting us and challenging us to reimagine our work and witness as a church post-COVID-19. Because I'm mindful that when I was having these kinds of conversations with the pastor search committee about a year ago, the landscape of the world and of Highland was drastically different. For instance, when I asked the search committee about one of the biggest challenges facing Highland, their immediate response, I can remember it, we were sitting in an Airbnb in Waco, Texas, and they looked around the room and they looked at me and they said, parking is awful. And I can confidently say that since March of 2020, there has not been a single day that parking has been an issue for us at Highland Baptist Church. It will be again, and I honestly look forward to that that day and look forward to that challenge with all of you. But instead, when I've asked about the biggest needs within our community, our deacons and staff have shared things like this. 
We are so isolated and weary, they say. We need peace, even in the midst of the chaos, and we need to know we are not alone. We need support for mental health. Data shows we are in the worst mental health crisis since World War II. How can the church respond? We need fresh language, agency, and imagination to move beyond our wounds. We are a community of people who have been scarred and hurt in so many ways, and yet we have found safety and love here at Highland. But how do we now take that next step forward? We need to be connected with a more diverse group of people, especially during COVID-19. Many of us are in safe white silos. We need to hear from and be in relationship with a more diverse group of people. We need community. We need connection. We need to feel part of Highland Baptist Church even when we are not together face to face. And these are just a handful of the responses I have received. And so each month our deacons and staff are going to be responding to a big question affecting the life of the church and our surrounding community in these days as we begin working together to reimagine where God is leading us and what church will even look like when we come back together again. And the thing is, I believe this is going to be hard work. After more than a year of separation, not to mention a long interim season, I believe we are going to need fresh vision of where we go from here. And that's exciting to me. But I acknowledge it won't always feel comfortable or safe or familiar. Church is going to look different after covid And I believe that as we imagine a way forward, this work is going to challenge us to move beyond our comfort zones and it will stretch us in ways we never thought possible. And friends, if you and I have the audacity to invite Jesus into this hard and holy work together, into our prayers and our dreams and our conversations and our wildest imaginations, Well, I believe it could really shake some things up. As Annie Dillard writes, on the whole, I do not find Christians outside of the catacombs sufficiently sensible of their conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we invoke when we gather as the church? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? Churches, after all, are like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, she says, mixing up a batch of TNT on Sunday morning. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats or velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets instead. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may someday wake and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return again. 
And so Highland Baptist Church, let's put on our crash helmets and get to work in this work that God is calling us toward in the days ahead. Because we never know where following Jesus will take us together or when he might bop us over the head with a hymnal. But one thing I know for sure, it is guaranteed to be a wild ride. I hope you have your seatbelt on. Amen.